Hello and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this afternoon uh, is the Dwarven DM, John Christian. Uh, with Troy not here, I'm not really sure what to do with myself. I need a, a good awkward, so I, should I do this like with myself, or? That's fine. Yeah, uh, home, yeah. everybody. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I, I did it. I knew I could, awesome. I knew I could do it even by myself. It could be super awkward. Well, now I feel like I need a cool intro, but I haven't thought of one. <laughs> nope. Oh. Don't worry about it. I never do either. Yeah. I usually just like panic like a deer caught in the headlights whenever yeah, Zach just... starts saying something. They're like, oh my God, it's me, it's me, it's me. <laughs> and then it's just word vomit. So you're in good company. Nice. Well, I might just actually vomit. So that, we'll just, we'll just that, leave it there. That's, I think they call that, that's good television. That's good television. Yeah, I mean, it's entertainment. It's all for the sake of these, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Just... That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, hey, uh, so the person that you're hearing, the person that you're seeing, uh, let's introduce those uh, two guests today. Uh, so this is Blood Moon Studios. Uh, Corey, how you doing? I'm doing good. And you got the name wrong, man. What the heck? Yeah, it's Super Blood Moon Studios. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I was it's like, all I, good, man. It's no, no, all no, good. no, 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 no. You're you're absolutely right. Super Blood Moon Studios. Don't go to Blood Moon Studios. Those are awful people. And, and yeah, dude, those people, no. those people suck, man. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I thought that you said that I was getting your name wrong, and I was no, like, oh no, my no, gosh, no. Wow, what that was have a, I done? You really pooched that. I, then, if I was, yeah. I was, I was sweating. I was like, have I, have I just thought his name was Corey for? I've done for that. I've done that a before. long time now. I've been that a hole in a relationship where I'm like, Frank, man, it's good to see you, and it's like yeah. we've known each other for the last three years. My name is Bob. See, now you're nervous to introduce the other guy. Yeah, well, uh, so, and, and then we've got the other creator, Chad. Chad, how you doing? <laughs> <It's great. laughs> I didn't know mom made me Chad, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> and call him Frank, he'll answer to that. Chaney, how you doing? Are you doing all right? I'm doing good. real good. How you guys doing? Good. We're good. Good. Awesome. All right, so. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about your game today, uh, which is Realms of Elgroon. It's coming to Kickstarter um, after the first of the year. Um, we're getting kind of an early chat in with you because uh, I have the um, pleasure of working with you guys on Kickstarter side of things and kind of, you know, getting it all dolled up and, and ready to go to the public face. Uh, but you guys had already done a mountain of work before before I came into the picture and really put together a really interesting project i think um and so i think you guys have already been on one podcast before mm -hmm. and um you're building your own rpg you got a really solid vision for what you want it to be or how or what space it's filling yeah. in the market why don't you guys just go ahead and talk to us a little bit about Super Blood Moon Studios and what your vision is for your project. Cheney, do you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, you go. I'm still throwing up in my mouth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, like, you know, as we were introduced earlier, we are Super Blood Moon Studios, and we're making a game called Realms of Elgrim. Um, for us, uh, we wanted a game that was easier to learn and you could learn about 90% of the mechanics just off of one session. Um, the game really came about, uh, because I play currently in another group, um, with a guy who was a, who was a new DM at the time. Of course, we've been playing for three years now. Um, and I was the only experienced player. Everybody else was new. Um. And uh, 
I used to be the forever DM until I came across his party. Um, but then as I was watching these people learn the game, I remembered the frustration of me having to teach people the game too, right? Mm. And so I just thought, why does tabletop have to be this complicated? Um, Chaney was over at the house. And uh, we were sitting here in my basement. I'm in my basement right now. We were sitting down here. And I was like, man, I don't understand why this has to be so complicated. The, everyone wants to play this. Everyone that's heard about it is like, man, that sounds so cool. And then you have them sit down. And you start walking through. Like, all right, this is how you roll up your armor class. This is how you do this, this, that, and the other. And then you just see their eyes glaze over. And you know that they're probably never coming back. And then there's a few of them that stick, you know. Um, so to me, I was like, why... Why does it have to be so complicated? And why does why does combat have to even be uh, complicated as it is too? Why does it have to be you roll against a static number? Why can't it be more dynamic? Why can't it be you roll, I roll, highest number wins? And then from there, Realms of Elgrin was born. Why'd you go with the D20? The thing is that we didn't. We won one dice. Um, it's just more commonly the D20 because most everybody has it already. Um, it, it's in our book that you can play with a set of D6s from Grandma's Monopoly board in the closet if you're at Thanksgiving dinner with a couple of your friends who mm -hmm. like to play or like a couple of your family who likes to play. Um, because it's literally just a you roll, I roll system. Um, and then also with um, challenges and dice checks and stuff like that, there's no skills in the game. Um at least no skill points. Uh, you pretty much roll based off of the characters themselves um, and how they kind of present themselves. Um, there's a lot that hangs on DM discretion in the game. So, like, if you're coming at me and you're playing, one of our classes is a shadow hunter, and that's essentially the rogue, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're coming to me and you want to sneak through a room, I know that your DC should be a little bit lower than the paladin here who's wearing clanky armor. Mm. So I'm going to set it at like 8 as opposed to 14 for, you know, the paladin. Right? And we give examples of that in the book and whatnot. Um, as far as the, the design philosophy, we wanted something that was easy to grasp. Just like, like that. Like I could explain the game to somebody and have their character rolled in 15 minutes. Um, and so that's, that's the whole shtick is that we wanted it to be able to be learned fast. Now, that being said, we don't want it to be a simple game to play, if that makes sense, because there's a lot more to it than that. There's a huge overarching story that goes into the world of Elgrun and whatnot, something that Chaney's been working on for nearly a decade, and it just seemed to fit with the game um, whenever we had mentioned it, and we just decided to keep developing it from there. Um, so it's not just a sit-down-and-play. It's a sit-down-and-play that you want to keep coming back to. Chaney, talk to us a little bit about that that setting that you've been putting together. What's that about? Um, so like rewind time back a few years and, um, I've always growing up, I've always played, you know, like video games like Legend of Zelda and, um, Pokemon and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I have a, a lot of heavy Japanese influence from my younger years. Um, I've always wanted to write my own fantasy story ever since watching uh, like Lord of the Rings and playing World of Warcraft. I, me and my brother would always talk about writing our own fantasy story 
and um it's uh it's it's just been that it's been me hacking away at a story that would make sense for years and years and finally um i I ran into something called art toys i don't know if you guys have ever heard of those they're like designer toys um there's like artists that make specific art toys or whatever some people may know what i'm talking about some people some people may not they're i think they're originally called designer toys but i kind of got into that world (laughs) and uh i decided to try to make some toys that would have like a story to them you know something kind of different than what was usually presented in the designer toy industry and um i don't know i I came to Corey one day sat in his basement and uh, was telling him about my art you know this story that i had come up with that was like fantasy and sci-fi and a conglomeration of things and uh you know, we we was just shooting the you know the breeze, and I was kind of giving the blues on how my project like, you know, it could grow and, and be this. And Corey was kind of shooting the blues, you know, it's like why is D and D hard? Yeah, <laughs> so we, got, we 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 kind of just got into a conversation, um, a deep conversation. It's like, well, dude, if story wise this would make sense with this mechanic, and it it just kind of grew from there, really, um. And now Elgrin's like this living, breathing fantasy sci-fi world that could very exist on the, you know, outer edges of our galaxy. Hmm. I love um, like the concept, the piece of it that that really hooked and sank into me when you guys gave me the original pitch, as you said, you, you had that. I'm going to get something of this wrong, almost certainly, because that's how this goes. It's um, all good, man. It's all good. But no, you, you said something like, uh. Uh, you know, uh, there is this dungeon planet, and the concept is that, you know, most of the time, the monsters reside down in the dungeons on the underneath surface of the planet. But every, and uh, I'll get the time period wrong, but every three weeks or six weeks or however long it is, mm. um, when the blood moon rises and, and things things go to go to hell... Uh, all the creatures come up out of the dungeons and kind of lay waste to whatever's around. And so in order to keep that destruction to a minimum, kind of the the feel of the game or one of the pitches of the game, if you want to play in the setting, is that uh, uh, you are adventurers who are tasked with, or dungeoneers who are tasked with mm-hmm. going down in and like clearing out at least some of the riffraff so that there is less riffraff coming up into civilized worlds, you know, we, uh, when and and those in those times of blood moon, that's cool. You was you got it pretty close. Okay, you, you, okay. you did get it pretty close. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, must have pretty good. Yeah, awesome. you got it pretty close. Okay, okay, okay. All right, let me, I feel let me a lot better now. So uh, I'm starting to sense the themes, right? I think one of the things mm-hmm. as soon as Zach mentioned that it is the quote unquote Nintendo of RPGs. Yeah, you had me, and then <laughs> you go and say something like, "I love Legend of Zelda," which. I'll, I'm not. Even, I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. My my adoration of that that franchise. What makes this like? Is it because when you talk about like a a dungeon planet, I, my mind immediately. I love that the Bowser. Yes. <laughs> I love it. My I mind. I told Zach a while ago. I have all these toys up here on this shelf above <laughs> me. You don't have to grow up. It's fine. We're, we were told. No. We were told when we were children that we our toys are us kids, and that we didn't have to grow up. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I was told, man. I'm, I'm still still part of that generation. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think one of the things that I immediately think about you you say Nintendo of RPGs, and then you talk about like a dungeon planet. I immediately go to Metroid, right? Of like clearing out layer by layer, yeah, like pooling resources, engaging the next layer based on the resources that you pool in. New new mm-hmm. uh, creature, not new creature, but like a new equipment, weapons, and stuff like that. So, is am I getting? Is that where this is kind of like? from is that same kind of like that nostalgic view of dungeon design and how it kind of like dovetails with the narrative or is it like how does it make it effectively like how what does it mean to say this is the nintendo of dungeons of uh of rpgs so the the company is more so the nintendo of rpgs but the the actual dungeon planet itself is still based around that concept right um, you know, because we love things like Metroidvanias, we love Legend of Zeldas and things like that. So even still, whenever you get down into it, you're trying to go and you're trying to clear out these dungeons. Um, there's stories to them and then there's bosses to them. And we actually make dungeon bosses, um, that you're supposed to clear out and stuff. Um, you know, a lot of times whenever you see, you know, like dungeons, there's like a big bad evil guy or something like that. We make like actual boss fights for our dungeons because we that's what we like you know um and we want to get the boss weapon after we're done because we're also dark souls fans and stuff like that and you know so the 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 concept is that like yeah each dungeon they're not connected at all um there's something that happened in the lore and it's a whole thing if you want to talk about it we can um to where now all the dungeons are below the planet's surface and they'll find an entrance and they'll be like hey we didn't know this entrance was here. Can you come and clear this? Hey, this is here. Can you come clear this? And so you go in and they go and there's like a story tied to each dungeon and whatnot. Um, and of course, there's a lot of other things that go into it too. There's like secrets in the dungeons. There's uh, summons that you can have to come fight alongside you, you know, side quests and all that kind of stuff. Because that's what we, that's what we want. You know, that's what, whenever we play, that's what we want, you know, and we want the story. We want the role play there too. But we also want the exploration of of going in, getting that loot, getting that sweet story, killing that boss, walking out with their weapon, and you know. Well, story. that's what we grew. That's what we grew up playing too. You know, as far as like video games, you know, you just mentioned like Metroid and and Zelda, and like that's kind of we kind of borrowed those concepts and somehow pulled them out on the tabletop. But yeah. That's what we grew up, so that's what we know. Yeah, as soon as you well, mentioned summons, my my mind immediately went to like Final Fantasy, right? The different idols yeah. and things like that, right? So you can definitely tell just by like I'm I've seen a lot of the artwork and kind of like there's almost like a I hate to use it maybe it's a, a an unfair comparison, but there's almost like an Adventure Time like element yeah. to it. You know, like oh, that's yeah. what we wanted. Yeah, that's right. what we wanted. It, it feels yeah. a lot like that. There's like I don't know if you guys yeah. ever, you've probably seen it, the Dungeon Train. It feels a lot like that. Like no, every what is that? You've got that to. It's an Adventure Time episode where literally there's just this train that goes in this big loop, and Jake and Finn get on it, and each cart or each car in the on the train is a like a mini dungeon that they've got to go through. And I'll, I won't I won't spoil it for you. But like it thinks it made me think a lot about that. Where it's like this, it's like a like a homage or a nostalgia piece where you take all like and essentially that's what they did with so much of adventure time was they took all this stuff that they grew up with and they're like this is how we played when we were kids all the adventures yeah. that we had this is effectively how it kind of unfolded and everything informs the the way that was which i love you know like 
I'm I'm all about the the nostalgia element of it because that's how I grew up too. So then I gotta ask: Is this an episode or a game? It is an episode. It's I'm gonna have episode. to find that. I will I will find it for you. I will get it to you like immediately. For sure, episode. man. Yeah. For sure. One of the things that I like this there's there's something important about where you start, like what's your starting point for a project because. Mm-hmm. That ends up informing so many of your decisions, you know, and, and it, it really shapes your game in, in a huge way. Like, like it's that idea of, like, if you're one degree off from your starting point, once you go 100, you know, it, 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 yeah. you end up at a far different destination. So if we think about D&D, right, it starts out as its roots, its inspiration is in wargaming, right? And mm-hmm. that's why you have things like AC and, you know, you have all of these numbers and you have whole character sheets and it's complex and there's grids and there's, you know five foot movement and yada 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 right because yeah and and it, it has evolved from that and it definitely has role play elements now and it definitely has narrative elements now but it's always going to have in its in the back of its mind this this war game tactics right um what i like uh what i'm fascinated by this is that you guys you guys uh were frustrated by our role play games mm-hmm. but when you sat down and you chatted what it sounds like to me is that actually when you started looking for inspiration of how you wanted it to feel and what was going to be your starting point, it's like, what is this, you know, either video game content or, or show content that we grew up loving yeah, and we want to emulate that on the table. And mm-hmm. I, I would, I would, I would fight anyone. <laughs> I would dare anyone to tell me that, you know, Zelda, even though it has a lot of sandboxy adventuring mm-hmm. aspects, that it's not chock full of uh, uh, narrative, and there's not a lot of story there. Like mm-hmm. the characters, like Zelda and Metroid, you know, uh, 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 Samus, are like embedded in us, and they are real characters with real backgrounds and real history. And I think that they have had that from the beginning in some shape or form. So anyhow, it's just fascinating to me because it's like. You know, so many RPGs come from war games, and they kind of mm-hmm. evolve, and they find narrative along the way. Um, you picking a different starting point, I think, is maybe why you ended up with a game that doesn't feel like a lot of the others. Right? Well, yeah. well, we'll steal. I'll steal another Nintendoism. Shigeru Miyamoto, who designed or essentially created Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. he didn't create it from "I'm going to make the next Pong" or "I'm going to make, make no. the next Pac-Man." He's like, "I'm going to take something from my childhood, which which mm-hmm. was." You know, like exploring the countries, uh, the, the back country of J- of Japan, and I want people to experience the kind of same discovery, exploration, finding things that are cool along the way. And so, like that's, I, I love that Zach. That you're absolutely right. It's one of those by degrees, right? As soon as you move away, even by one degree, you veer off course into another mm-hmm. direction. But like the 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 genesis point of it really informs also where it goes from there, which I, I like that. Yeah, we really strove to make it not like any other any of the other games that we knew about because we wanted it to be able to stand alone. You know, we wanted it right. to be um, the this thing that's like it's the same but unique, if that makes any sense. Because yeah. we wanted it to be identifiable as a tabletop RPG. Yeah, but we didn't want it to be like anything that people had previously experienced well making right. it really alien is a risk right people there has to be some at least some level of familiarity something, mm-hmm. something that some conceptually that people will understand outside of the side outside of the fact that you play it on a table and you know it, that's a, that could be a board game that could be anything right right 
Yeah. And see what's uh what's funny is that uh Thanksgiving night um I went over to my parents' house and my sister who I currently am a DM for a uh, Dungeons and Dragons game we're playing Curse of Strahd um because a lot of my friends wanted to play through it and I was like sure absolutely I'll run it I'd, I'd love to um so my sister's one of those people and she was like we need to play D and D with mom and dad so they can understand what it's like and I was I don't want to teach them D and D. And so I was like, well, let's play Elgrin. Cause she's played it before. She was one of the early play testers and she loved it. She was like, absolutely. And so mom and dad sat down and played it. And within five minutes, these people who have no tabletop experience at all, I just came up with a little dungeon really fast on the fly and they loved it. And so they knew about this project and whenever they played it, they were like, Oh, okay. We get it now. You know, so that was another philosophy. We wanted it to be accessible to people who had never touched it before. You know, because if you think about it, if you have game consoles in your house, you have at least two, right? You have a Nintendo and something else. Mm. That's just that's just about everybody, mm. right? Um, and so, and you think of people who don't even play much video games. They're like, they know what a Nintendo is. They call everything, you know, a Nintendo. So... We took that philosophy of what is Nintendo then, because that's the buzzword, and I'm going to say it another million times, um, is that you can just sit down and play it, and you don't have to think a whole lot about what do I need to do to be efficient at this game, mm -hmm. right? So, um, like, a, another thing, too, is that, like, with the character creation, I said earlier that there's no skills. There's character creation still. Um, every every couple of levels, there's a perk system in the game that act as like abilities and things like that. Think like feats from D and D, but on a smaller scale, and you can use them more often. Mm -hmm. So um, they're like you know cool little powers. Like say one of our classes is a mage, and you can like cast a spell twice um, towards a singular target or uh, once against two different targets, and you get that so many times per long rest and things like that. Um, it's essentially just like powers and, you know, cooldowns and things like that that you can have. Um, just because we wanted something that would make sense immediately to people. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the big design philosophy, to make sense immediately. So in that vein, Chaney, um, you, it was mentioned earlier that this isn't just a fantasy game, that there's a, it's a science fantasy game. Um, yes. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're wanting a game that makes sense. You're wanting a game that people can easily pick up. The fantasy side, I, I, I get like, and I get, I'm excited about both sides of this. But where's this? The where do you see the science angle coming into this experience? Science fantasy, um, in this particular scenario, magic is the reason that there's science fantasy, um, because magic is what brought everything together. So. Uh, forbidden magic at that. So pretty much, as far as story goes, um, there's a thief. I'm I won't go through like detail by detail. Eventually, we'll you know hopefully put out a book that'll tell all this. Yeah. But there's a uh, most of this is in the actual like the player's guide, but the deeper yeah. deeper part of it because it does go a lot deeper than what we put out. Sure. But, right. Um. So basically, there's a thief who um, does forbidden magic, you know, trying to obtain the world's, you know, or, you know, life's greatest treasure, which is life. Life is life's greatest treasure. 
but he so, didn't, he didn't know that. From he the, didn't know he didn't know that. It's he thought it was like, going to be like gold right, weapons, right. you know, glittery things, and then. Um. So what ends up happening is like these portals open up all across you know different universes and different dimensions, and starts pulling chunks of planets out of these other dimensions and out of these other you know solar systems and galaxies. And this crap starts merging in with Elgrin. And so, you know, you got all these chunks of planets merging into one planet, making it even bigger. Now, all of a sudden, you got hidden cities, you got hidden ruins, you got dungeons. That's how the dungeons are created on this planet. The science fantasy part comes in is where it also brought life. Not just dungeons and cities and ruin, but it also brought life that was technologically advanced that did you know were further ahead than the natives that were already on Elgrin. um mm. so uh, you you kind you're kind of going to get a apocalyptic technological feel from that um and you would be correct because tell them about the plague wars and stuff too right so after this you know huge merging event happens um everybody starts panicking and starts fighting over territory sources you know resources and um you know lands i mean just trying to survive so it causes like this four thousand year war called the plague wars because you gotta think um let me back up you know how christopher it was one of the one of the people christopher columbus or whoever brought you know when he came, he kind of killed all the Indians because of sickness. Yeah. Or it was Cortez. It was Cortez who done that. Yeah. 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 That pretty much happens on Elgrin. All these mm. other races start intermingling and they start passing off disease and kind of killing each other. So at some point, everybody's got to stop and say, all right, enough's enough. War, you know, war is pretty much, we're done with it. We've got to stick together and unite and survive. That causes the Age of Recovery after the Plague Wars. Uh, Age of Recovery, pretty much, you know, they, they work on technology, they work on medical advances, you know, all kinds of good stuff. And then you get to where the players enter in the game at now, which is called the Age of Wandering, um, where we wander into the dungeons. We wander after, you know, life's questions and, and stuff like that. So... The the players are really entering in the most modern age. I love so that's what that's where the technology and the science comes from. Hopefully that made sense. And then because of the plague wars um, and a lot of the death machines that people made and stuff, people are really leery about technology. So you'll just be walking. You know, you know the some of the biggest battles was the fought in what is now a desert, um, where it wasn't when it first came out, and it's a place called Tyro Rift. And so buried under the sands of Tyro Rith are all these death machines and stuff like that. And so now people view technology as something scary. Some people think it as a tool. Some people think it as a, as a weapon. And some people just think of it purely as death. Um, so that's, And so it's three parts fantasy, one part science fiction because of that because people are reluctant for technology i'm gonna have to i'll pass along as on top of that adventure time episode i'm gonna pass along if you haven't seen them already i'm if you have mm. if you're not influenced by them great minds think alike uh nausicaa and the valley of the wind and no. uh, that's ph phenomenal it's like the, the whole vibe about like technology being like taboo because 
of what it brought about, like all the wars and stuff like that. You should totally t- yeah. check that out. That's a uh, Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film. And then the other oh, one is, okay. I'm thinking of Thundar the Barbarian. Like a postal. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to hook you guys Thundar. up. Sorry. Cause like, John's, John's old. I'm hey, not man, old. Like, you shut like, up, man. You listen to me, Whipper Snapper. You can like it, but but there's a reason that you haven't heard about it, and that's because it is is before all of our time. Um, uh-huh. It's in the it's in the early it's in the like the pre prehistory. No, uh, I'm I am a I am simply a, a, a curator of of good stuff, sir. That's all okay. it is. All right. Don't, I, let, don't a... let the calico in my beard fool you. Hey, throw, throw it at me, man. I'm a sponge. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. You'll, you'll, you will definitely love Nausicaa. And then Thundar is like a product of the time kind of thing. It's like a Hanna-Barbera style. Anyway, yeah. So. Yeah. Dude, Thundar the Barbarian. That's what I was pointing out to you at the store the other day. There you go. Me? Right there. That, that old school cartoon, man. That used to come on uh, uh, Toonami. Yeah, or Cartoon Network. Yeah, I remember that. See, dude. the only difference. point something out to me, but I, I remember that. I did actually get just a little sad then because Zach was like, was like, trolling me about how old I am. Then as soon as you started saying, "Yeah, yeah, I saw that," I'm like, "Sweet, he saw it on Saturday mornings when I did." He goes on Toonami. I'm like, "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> yeah, I knew that was good. <laughs> it was at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, like. Yeah. <laughs> no one, you know, like that's where they crave all the the, mm. the old, old, unwatched, uncared for stuff. Oh man, yeah. you're gonna pass. Some, that's, you're, you're gonna be fighting people by the end of this. You're gonna start yeah, saying that about Thundar, man. No, I'll give you all time. So, um, all right. So let's let's do this. So uh, we got some sense of the 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 mechanisms of the game. We have some mm-hmm. semblance of the setting. Let's talk for just a few minutes about the the product itself. Mm. Um, for sure. So you're going to Kickstarter. What are you bringing to Kickstarter? Um, well, hopefully we can bring a Christmas album because we've been talking about that <laughs> for like ever. And Zach keeps acting like we don't need to do it. No. But Damn. I think it'd be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so what we're doing, we're doing a box set. Um, the box set itself is going to, uh, the standard is going to come with a player's guide, a DM's guide. Um, and I believe the adventure zine is coming with the standard. Mm-hmm. We have an adventure zine that's coming with, um, four, uh, actually no, three adventures. Um, one of our stretch goals is that uh, a fourth adventure might be able to be put in there. Um, to kind of give people like they're, they're one shots. I think one of them is like a two shot. Um, we was able to run through it in one, but we had other people play test it and it took them two sessions to get through it. Um, but, uh, just to kind of give people a feel for how the game is supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That was the, the drive of it. Is it indicative of the entire game? No, it just gives you a feel for how it's supposed to be, right? Um, our eventually we're coming out with a campaign in the future called Wrath of the Blood Moon. Um, that's going to be an actual like, long-form campaign regardless. Um, with the actual um, Kickstarter, though, uh, we're going to have like a, a, a deluxe set, which is going to come with, um, two players handbooks. Uh, the DM's guide, um, is going to come with a stack of character sheets. It's on a tearaway thing because the simple characters, you don't need a very, you know, hmm. elaborate hmm. character sheet. Um, and it's going to come with, um, a couple of dice as well. I think four or five. I um, I'm trying to think what else. 
GM um, screen, if you haven't mentioned that. Oh, yeah, the GM screen. GM screen is coming with the deluxe box only. And it's going to feature some of our sick art. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I like, so so I'll, I'll jump in here for a moment. So, like, uh, the, the I'm excited. It's widely known on this show that I love box sets. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if I see one in a store, I, I will own it. Um, yeah. And, and what's interesting is I haven't even talked to you about this yet, John, but I was just visiting. We have a massive tabletop store here in Kansas City. I was visiting with the um, owner of the store. Uh, it's been there for you know 30 years, roughly. And he said, he said, I, I, I did. He didn't even. I had not brought up. I was being good. Hadn't brought up starter sets. Hadn't brought up box sets. Uh, that he he said, you know what's really big right now, and like you really, if you want, if you want your game to be successful, you need to make a a box set. And I was like, <laughs> oh really? And he, and, and, you know, I I love this man. Um, but but, you know, as we got into it, talking about it, like he said, you know, it's it's one of these great things because they are actually the best entry point into a game when you could say this box has everything you need. You don't have to go buy dice elsewhere. What is a D20 anyways, right? Like if I, you know, if you first time you tell somebody to roll a dice, they look around for a D6. They don't understand mm-hmm. that there's a million others, right? So like putting those in the box, putting character sheets in the box. You don't have to go print anything out, right? You don't have to go make a copy. Just everything in the box. Um, so when you guys came to me and, you you know, we, we explored like a few different options. Like what does this product end up being? And mm-hmm. when we settled on the box set, like to me, not only is it great because I love them, but it's also great for this game because – one of the principles that you had is like, hey, we want this to be accessible and we want it to be affordable. Yeah. Well, the great thing about the box set is you you condense down, you know, three hardcover books like D and D, right? Mm-hmm. That's the core experience, quote unquote. Or you can go buy a twenty dollar box from the store. Yeah. Um, and and play a game. You've managed to say that build something that's like the box set isn't just like the the idea of the rules like mm-hmm. it is with D D, but it's like the whole package you buy this and you have ideas like you said about doing other adventures themes and whatnot but like this is this is what you need to play and mm-hmm. i loved you talked about monopoly earlier like you're or like the idea that like everybody has two rpg system or two video game systems in their house one nintendo and something else like yeah. the idea that like this box is could be people's second rpg Mm-hmm. Could be their first, you know. Your, uh, but 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 certainly it could be, serve that role of being the the second RPG when you have the Indian, you want something mm-hmm. else, but you don't want to have to spend two hundred dollars to get into Pathfinder. Well, or see, Shadow that's Run exactly what we said about it at the very beginning. Is that like you know with this, there's way bigger RPGs out there, right? You know, you can name off ten, you know, sure. off your off the top of your head without even thinking, right? So for us, what we just wanted to be is that it's something that you play also, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, you know, some people are going to play it hardcore. Some people are going to play it as a one shot system. You know, that's fine. You know, that's it's it's whatever you want it to be. You know, so the fact you're saying it's like it being like their, their second RPG that they play. That's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what we wanted. We don't want to take your attention from the other stuff that you like to play. We want to give you something else to play too. And know. I would I would add to that and say, you know, if if uh, sometimes sometimes this is implied in like an ignorant way, and I guess it somewhat is, but like if 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 a mom goes into a store mm-hmm. 
right? It, it is buying stuff for her kids, right? And she sees Realms of El Groon, and it's got this bright, poppy colors all everywhere, and it talks about how it's simple and easy, and everything's in the box. Yeah. And then she looks next to it, and it's like this, uh, here's here's your introduction to D&D or whatever, right? And, you know, yeah. the, the basics and yada yada, but, you know, your first step into a larger world, right? Like, if I'm that parent and I'm ignorant because I can only hold so many things in my head like everyone else, I'm probably going to buy, pick up the thing and take it home. It's like, this is an all-in-one experience. Like, yeah, I don't want to have to buy, give something to my kid that then they're going to want 80 other accessories for, right? Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I, I think it does serve a purpose. I absolutely think it serves an interesting, unique purpose that, you know, I have a lot of box sets back on the shelf. You have a few. And, and none of them, <laughs> if I look through, I'm like, oh, all of these, except for maybe one, are experiences that are meant to lead to bigger experiences. Right. There's nothing on that shelf except maybe one that are like, nope, this is it. This is what you this is what you need and you can play forever. Um mm -hmm. go for it. Now, one of the I, ones I'm that I've excited. seen that's like that that worked out really freaking well and why I love that as kind of a as a staging point for playing a game is Forbidden Lands did that Forbidden with their boxes. Lands, yeah. And holy crap. That's I fell in love with that not as a here's a taste. Nope, here's the whole thing. You want to play the game? Everything you need's in the box, and it's it and it works really, really well. So I like that as a as a platform for for the game that you want to put yeah. out there for people. Yeah, and it's good. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good shelf candy too, by the way. Oh yeah, that's really that's really what we wanted. Is we wanted a nice shelf ornament. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but an, another thing too, you know, you're saying it's an all-in-one experience in one. Uh, a video, and I'm sure all all of us here have seen it. Um, except for Chaney, he don't really watch tabletop RPG content, which I kind of prefer that because it doesn't influence his opinion sure. on stuff. And so it's actually like helped us, you know, design a whole lot. So um, that's not why I'm like, you need to start watching more tabletop RPG content. I'm like, no, do what we're doing. Anyways, um, is the questing beast video about there's not a, there's a DM problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with our game and I'm not trying to like advertise, I'm just saying we made it. Two years ago, with the idea that there's a DM problem um, and that it needs to be easier to sit down and play a game and not have to worry about who's going to be a DM, find a DM, and all that kind of stuff. Anybody can do it. Let's let's right. let's let's um uh let's uh notate that real quick mm -hmm. for people that don't know about that video. So what what uh, Questing Beast is talking about in that video is that when you look at OSR. Mm -hmm. and like older versions of the game if and you take polls now of like how many osr players are are also consider themselves dms it's a very high number it's like 90 percent of osr players are also dms but when you yeah. look at when you look at dungeons and dragons 5e like there is a shortage because only mm -hmm. like 20 percent or something like that is are would have ever even looked at being a dm yeah it was around 20 i mean which is why they're doing the whole that monetization stuff that they're about to do which that's a whole other can of worms we can get into sure. but you know <laughs> but yeah it's very interesting right like there's, there's yeah there's there's this level the the, the player blake says a little yeah. use your words Zach. Yeah. use your words man you got this that's right yeah, i'm gonna try <laughs> so i almost ran mush out. mouth like me man yeah yeah <laughs> hey, i do it too man i'm almost at my daily capacity um I think that the player base is it has split, right? Like that's what mm -hmm. we're actually talking mm -hmm. about there, right? Is that there are players that are GMs and there are players that are players, mm -hmm. and the question then becomes why, and 
you know, part of that is exactly what you talked about, which is complexity, right? When there's three books, that's intimidating. I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to buy those books, maybe even, right? Like, I just want to play the game. But yeah. then there's also the aspect of Dungeons & Dragons at this point has been communicated as this super long campaign always, right? And that's from Critical Role, but that's also from the books that they put out, right? Here's right. a book that's going to last you two years, right? And that's intimidating. And when you have mm -hmm. a, when you, when you're not only intimidating, but just the sheer fact of if you're going to buy a book that's going to last you two years, well, only one DM is going to be probably doing it. You know, only there's only room for one at that point, right? Yeah, there um, can only be one. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, I think you are right that we're that we're splitting, and I think that it is detrimental, um, because my absolute favorite groups are the groups that are comprised of people who are largely GMs in some capacity, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so creating a game that that helps re-blur those lines and make it easy to bounce back and forth between them. I think those are the right types of games for right now. And, and, and John, you brought up Forbidden Lands. I think, I think that's a great example of like something that's helping blur those lines mm -hmm. with a box set, but also just the types of play. But there's several other games, but I, I think that there's still plenty of room at the table for like re-determining the roles that people have at the table. Um, and then <clears throat> Troy's in chat here and he's saying, uh, you know, he thinks that uh, the other thing to bring up is the size of a specific community in question, which is absolutely true. OSR is much smaller than D&T. Mm, that's know, true. And, that and, is and, true. But the beauty of that, right, why OSR can thrive is because uh, there is, it is accessible. And, and I think that that's key when you're starting your own RPG, making it easy to snag and understand and process and then treat teach others is a great way to spread it it's really hard it's really hard for a very complex system to really explode without a massive amount of marketing because with every sale i could sell i could sell john on it mm -hmm. right and he can buy the box but then if john has to learn it and then teach it and convince you guys to do it yeah it's, it's a harder sell at that point mm -hmm. right um, right yeah anyhow i like it uh, and and Troy's again great. Troy should have been here. Troy's saying, "Well, yeah, Troy." That's right. They <laughs> say players that are that are just players are likely only ever to play that system, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's very it, they're they're not gonna be they're not gonna go exploring. Exploring well, it's, part it's, of the it's a comfort thing to them, yeah. right? Because they've already gone. They put the the mental sweat equity into learning a system and understanding the concepts and stuff like that, it's really easy for them to nest in a particular system that they're yeah. the most comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. I also think, and this is, uh, we, we've talked for a long time now about this, but that's great. Um, I think that that is very true, and there is a nervousness and apprehension mm -hmm. about learning another system. When you mm -hmm. already know one, like, why do I need to learn another and I would maintain that a big part of that goes back to, uh, Corey, your statement early on about D&D &D and the glazing over of eyes, right? Yeah. And for a large percentage of the player base, I think that they made it through the the learning a system phase, and yeah. that wasn't their favorite phase, right? And right. so they're like, oh, now I have to go through that phase again? I think the alien RPG sounds cool. But I don't want to have to go back through a learning phase because that right. I remember the D and D one and maybe that was difficult. 
or maybe it was just presented wrong or sold wrong to them, or maybe you know there's there's a lot of ways that you could teach somebody a system, but not everybody's gonna learn as easily in the same ways. Um, right. So let me let me tell you a story that kind of goes in in tandem with this is that um, many many years ago, um, I say many many years ago, it was like 2016. Um, I first started playing D and D. Um, played with a group. I was the only one from that group of five who ended up becoming a DM, right? Um, from there, uh, I started another campaign that I homebrewed, right? And we actually played that one for a year. Um, my sister, who's a part of the story, was a part of that group. And then after we finished that story and it was done, she was like, I have other friends that I think would want to play this. Why don't we branch out to our other friends, get them to come play? I want to try DMing. I was like, absolutely. And I'll come, I'll play. I don't know how often I'll actually be there, but I'll help you, you know, yeah. you know, you know, learn the ropes and whatnot of what you got to do. Right. And so she started and the glazing over of eyes came from that particular group because it was all people who had no experience with anything like that ever. Um, those people I'm still friends with every single one of them today. Um, and that campaign lasted a total of, I think, five sessions um because she couldn't handle it my sister couldn't handle it it was too much for the rules was too much to kind of grasp and roll around and the prep for it was too much for and all that stuff and i'm like that is a shame Hmm. i'll just call it as it is that's a shame these people they were having fun whenever they didn't have to think about the rules right whenever they got to just sit and play and role play and then they stopped showing up because they started getting the combat and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it, it wasn't fun anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever, uh, you know, because whenever combat happens. Um, you get out the rule book. Well, not just that. It's time to take a potty break. It's time to go get some snacks. It's time to, you know, check Twitter. You know what I'm saying? And it's just not as fun as the rest of it. So her being a brand new DM, there's no fault of hers. It's the fault of the the system itself because her being a brand new DM, she didn't know how to do just an all role play version of it. Right. Um, So, and I wanted it to be her game. I didn't want to sit here and just commandeer it. And so I just let it be what it is. And she had questions on rules and stuff. I I helped and people had questions on rules. I helped, you know, and it's a shame that that died because those people really enjoyed the first couple of sessions. And then we got into combat a few times and then people stopped showing up. And that that to me is like like I said, I call it is that's a, that's a shame that mm-hmm. that people get our people are missing out on what we all love. We've all built our, our our lives around. We know what's here. We know what is here for us, right? We there's a reason we all keep coming back because we know, right? We know the outlet that this is. They don't. Mm-hmm. I love that's that. That's it. That's yeah. six people. That, that will never truly experience D&D. Hmm. 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 Well, let's do what we can to uh, mitigate that by putting out Realms of Elgrim and Absolutely. <laughs> hopefully you guys get a successful project and, <clears throat> and, and we see it on uh, on, on shelves across America. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to go live in, in, in the month of January, uh, so keep your eye on there. I posted it once into the chat already, but I'll go ahead and post it again. Mm-hmm. link to the page you'll also be able to find it uh in the show notes when this uh is on youtube and whatnot so uh go check out follow uh realms of el Grun. when it goes live go ahead and back it like uh you said earlier Corey. um mm-hmm. it's gonna be the regular box set and then there's gonna be a kickstarter exclusive box set 
kind of a deluxe version um, with some extra goodies and content and at a great price. Um, and then there's other, uh, if you just want to go digital and want other stuff there too. Um, Shaney, before we get out of here, where can people go if they want to follow you in places in addition to Kickstarter? We got our Instagram, Realms of Green. We got the Facebook. Right, Corey? That one's kind of dicey. We don't really pay attention much sure. attention to Facebook. I just want to throw Corey under the bus for a second. <laughs> yeah, uh, appreciate that. <laughs> I, it's your daily one. Um, uh, I'm also, you can follow me on Odd Hanzaki. Um, that's just my personal page. I post a lot of Elgrin stuff there. So, um, that's kind of, I think that's it. The Discord. The Discord, yes, yes, yes. That's, uh, the, have... that's the biggest one. That's where you get the news the first, is we post it in Discord and such. And also, we playtest our adventures online. So, that means that we pull people from our Discord to join our games and whatnot. We call them Dungeon right Janitors. Um, nice. so if you want to join and you want to be a dungeon janitor, just say something in general and I'll add you. That's literally all you got to do. Um, nice. but we're, we're the most active in our discord. We're on it yeah. pretty much every day in some shape, form or fashion. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Troy's asking where can you go to get the Christmas album? The Christmas album? I don't know, Zach. Where can they go? Because you keep shutting us down, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, evidently, you can... You know what? Go to their Discord and just ask uh, Chaney and Corey on a regular basis, and they'll eventually give it to you, but they're they're pretty stingy. <laughs> so, uh, well, hey, thank you guys for hopping on. Uh, this was this was great. I enjoyed it a lot. Absolutely, man. Well, I, I'll, I'll come back and talk about anything, man. You just yeah. holler at me. <laughs> I need. I want a report on the three homework items that I gave you, though. Hey, send it to me, dude. I'm, I'm serious. It right after this, I, I like jump into Discord with us sometime. I want to. I want to hear. I love introducing people to some of those uh, those things. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. That's right. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you all. Thanks for listening. If you're watching this live, thanks for watching it live. If you're watching YouTube or Facebook or anywhere afterwards, I uh, appreciate you very much. Um, all the links are going to be down in the show notes uh, in the next few days. Uh, you can check this out on the podcast uh, that Troy will have up in a bit. That's at Geeks Can't uh, on, on, on the, every podcast thing imaginable. Um, keep your eye out on Realms of the Groom and everything else that we got going on. And until next week, we'll see you next time. Uh, for Troy Sandlin, play great games. For John Christian, stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>